Look at my butt. Show number 271 of Look at His Butt. LT and JK talk track. To all the listeners who are now all probably quarantined in your homes with absolutely nowhere to go and maybe nothing to do, although if you're like me, you're still working pretty fucking hard, which feels really unfair in some ways, but I guess I should count myself lucky to actually have a job. So there we go. Well, if you're like me, you're not working at all. So you're napping and playing with your dog and reading and watching movies and things on TV and sort of limiting myself to maybe a half hour to an hour of news to just, you know, keep myself on some sort of equilibrium. Yes, I I think that is the right way to go. And as my new pinned tweet uh, at the Twitter account says, uh, stay home and watch Star Trek. So watching Star Trek is a really good way to pass the time. It's great. You know, it's gets you out of the real world and into the world of Star Trek, which is on the whole a much better place to be. And it's always good to spend time with our friends, you know, with Captain Kirk and Captain Picard and and everybody else. Yes. Yes. It's just so good. So that's our advice to everybody. Stay home and watch Star Trek. It'll make you feel better. Guaranteed. Yes. And when this is all over, I'm going to to write my novel and it will be about (laughs) celebrating Shatmoy during the quarantine. Yeah, because that's what we're trying to do right now is celebrate Chatmoy. So it was Bill's birthday yesterday. So yes, happy birthday, he's 89. Bill. 89. 89 years old. Uh, he's at home because all of his tour dates throughout Europe were canceled, obviously, because mm-hmm. of uh, COVID-19. So he's taking it easy. But Bill is trying hard to be there for all of us. He did a very good message, a video message where he said, yes. I'm here for you. He's so good, isn't he? I watched that and I was like, cutie. he's turning it on. Like, of course, it's a shill for the unexplained, but but still, you know, he's using his warm, comforting voice and just saying, I'm here for you. William Shatner, here I am. I am here for you. And I thought, oh, thank you, Bill. That's what I needed to hear. Well, you know, I was thinking this has to be torture for him or for Mm. anybody who is used to just going out and doing things and being with people and making plans and you know, all of this. And also, he's always said his greatest fear is being alone. Mm -hmm. So, you know, maybe a bad time to get a divorce. (laughs) He's still wearing his wedding ring in that video, by the way. I I know. I noticed that in a recent picture. Yeah. So I don't know. I don't know. There must be some people who are there with him or or near him. I mean, I would assume he's not going to see his grandchildren, right? Because they're too young and they're horrible little vectors who are going to be spreading disease all over the place. So. (laughs) Well, um, he shouldn't even be seeing his, you know, face to face, his, his, uh, his children, his neighbors, yeah. his friends, you know, I mean, when, when we get deliveries or anything here now, we're all doing no contact delivery. They leave it outside the door. Yeah. But do you think he's really fending for himself? Like all by himself? That's, that seems a lot. Well, like, I wouldn't imagine he would have like live in servants or staff. Maybe he has somebody who, you know, comes in and clean, you know, normally comes in and cleans or maybe cooks some meals or something. But you're not supposed to be letting people come in from the outside. Yeah. I mean, I'm just wondering if since the divorce thing happened, whether he's had one of his daughters there, you know, just to 
keep him company and sort of make sure that he's okay going through all this? It's possible. That would be good. Yeah. Well, we all hope that Bill's doing okay. Uh, I, I will say that our, our friend of podcast, Mike Hall, over in the UK is actually getting sick and he thinks he might have <sighs> the virus. So I sent well, him Well, I know a, two people who have it. Yeah. Uh, neither, neither of them are serious. Both of them are saying, my symptoms are not that hard to manage. I'm not going to the hospital or anything unless it gets worse, which it hasn't. Yeah. So I said to him, I hope you're better soon. I send you the strength of William Shatner to get better. Yes. And yes. he appreciated that. Yes. Well, we could all use that. It is a scary, scary time. So happy birthday, Bill. And of course, happy birthday to Leonard in a few days because it will be yes. his birthday, even though he's no longer with us physically. We always think about this very, very special time that happens mm-hmm. between the two birthdays. And We'll continue to celebrate Chatmoy, you know, forever because those dates are never going to change when Bill's no, not here no, anymore. No, no, those It'll dates will never Chatmoy. change. Yeah. You know, you go into the, uh, like the Star Trek chronology and compendium and everything. And and even in, in Star Trek canon, it's, you know, acknowledged by Paramount mm-hmm. or, or whoever, the, the birth date of Captain Kirk, March 22nd. Mm-hmm. That's right. Bill's birthday. That will never, yeah. ever change. Never. So that's all good. So I guess if you're not watching Star Trek, you could watch The Unexplained, but I really wouldn't recommend it. I I don't think that would make you feel better. It might make you feel worse. It it will make you feel worse because people (laughs) right now, enough of them are doing really stupid things to make you disgusted with humanity. Mm -hmm. And when you watch this, which is a celebration of gullibility, it's... You're you're just gonna give up. So don't watch unexplained. Don't don't watch that. Watch watch lots of Star Trek. I, I was thinking actually before we started recording, it, someone somewhere I'm not gonna do it must have made a list of all the Star Trek episodes that deal with um, viruses and quarantines <laughs> and pandemics and stuff because there were quite a lot. Like that a happened lot, pretty yeah. regularly. Whether it was the main plot of the show or whether it was, oh, the Enterprise has to go flying out to this planet because they're bringing them special medicine because they're having Mm -hmm. this terrible pandemic. So, you know, very much a concern in the future that this will continue to happen. And Enterprise is always there. And I wish the Enterprise was here now to save the day for us because... That'd With be really Dr. Good. McCoy on board. Oh, can you imagine? Because he, he finds a cure. Oh, my God. The man is magic. He is. He can cure anything. He can. What did yep. he say in the Horde episode? By God, Jim. Oh, he could cure a rainy day. <laughs> he could cure a rainy day. Exactly. <laughs> Damn it, Jim. I'm a doctor, not a bricklayer. Right. <laughs> then he cures it with cement. <laughs> so he was a bricklayer. Despite what he said. Oh, boy. Okay. Anyway, um, so that that's the state of the world. Let's talk about Star Trek, which is far more interesting. And, yes, um, indeed. Edifying. So uh, I wanted to bring you up to date on the Picard show. So there's only one episode left. And the last two episodes are sort of um, sort of a two-parter. So one okay, and two. Okay, okay. So have you watched the first part of the two-parter? Yes, I have. I have watched oh, the first okay, part Oh, okay. So of that's it. where we are. All right. That's where we are. Yes. The uh, the plot so far is that, um, as as we will recall from the last installment of summarizing the Picard show, <laughs> after after they had the performing dogs with the little tutus on, um, <laughs> the uh, Picard and his ragtag band of misfits were going to the planet where they think all the synthetic life forms live, and by God, they made it there. So they're there now. There aren't that many. It's hard to tell how many of them actually exist. 
And who else should we run into? Huge, huge spoiler, but the very organic human son of Dr. Noonien Sung, played by Brent Spiner. Oh my God. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) That was unexpected. Yeah. So, okay, now when Data shows up, can it? Can they do the 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 mirror routine like the Patty oh, Duke what, show? I was thinking about that, or the Marx Brothers, right? I was I was yeah. totally thinking about that. Data has a human brother, you know. Wow! So everybody's got like these weird step brothers and siblings yes. now in Star Trek. It's right, and also okay. So he's there, and these synthetic beings are all his creation, basically. So he's the one who's ah. responsible for this. Um, okay. For some reason, I'm not quite sure why they did this, but all of the synthetic beings are created in pairs. So they're twins. They're all twins. Right. Yeah. And as soon as they started showing this down on the planet, I was like, oh, no, it's like I mud all over again. They had to go out in Hollywood and hire all these twins, identical twins. Oh, my God, you're right. It was totally like that. Yeah, it was just like that. Oh, and they were all. That is too funny. They were real twins. You know, they weren't just people mm-hmm. being CGI twinned, except for the yeah. main characters. But it was it was kind of crazy. And that's what it made me have flashbacks to. So <laughs> I don't know if that was intentional or not, but that was certainly what I was thinking about. Wow. Yeah. So they're there and um, Picard and his friends are, are trying to tell them that the Romulans are on their way to blow up their planet and kill all of them. And it turns out that this vision that the Romulans had been having about the total destruction of everything because of these synthetic life forms was a message that wasn't actually meant for organic minds. It was meant for synthetic minds. So the twin of Soji, who's the main character, is very advanced. She looks like Data. She has yellow skin and the yellow Mm -hmm. eyes. So she has that look to her. And as a synthetic, she's studied a lot of Vulcan stuff and she's learned how to do a Vulcan mind meld, which I thought was like, I don't know about that. I Oh God, no. I don't think that's right. Because it all has to do with the nervous system. Yeah. You know, the nerves in Spock's fingers to this nerve point in you know Kirk's neck or whatever yeah and that they're the Vulcans are are naturally somewhat psychic right like they have this additional thing so I don't know how they're saying that a synthetic life form could possibly be able to do this so anyway okay I'm just gonna go with it I'm not gonna stop watching just because of that but that seemed like a stretch she does a mind meld with one of the characters and gets to see the vision and says, oh, I understand what it really means. It says that there is another dimension. I'm not really clear about this, where there is a whole mess of these synthetic life forms who are waiting for a signal from our dimension. I'm going to say dimension, although it could be universe or something else. Right. Okay. And, and, when when the synthetic life forms in our dimension are advanced enough and send out this signal, this these other synthetic life forms are going to come to our place, and then something else will happen and kill all the humans, right? Uh, very possibly. So that is uh-huh. actually offered up as a possibility. So then, what's going to happen? We don't know. We're going to find out in part two of this. But in the meantime, the Romulans are on their way there. Uh, the the planet doesn't really have a lot of defenses, so it's unclear how they're going to defend against it. Oh, and also <laughs> through uh, hand waving, 
Picard and his <laughs> friends, no, really, it was a lot of hand-waving because the Picard crew got there in their little ship. They came through like a wormhole thing and tagging along behind them was the Borg cube. <laughs> so The one that, that the synths were in? Yeah, yeah. So suddenly there's a Borg cube that crashes through the atmosphere and crashes on the planet and um, Seven of Nine is in charge, which is awesome. She's very good. It's nice to see her back again. And she's working with the uh, samurai elf guy to sort of, um, you know, do what she can with the Borg cube. But I was like, really? A Borg cube came through a wormhole and then it crashed on a planet and it was still intact, mostly? That doesn't seem right. So that's pretty. That's pretty. You know, solid engineering by the Borg. It really is. <laughs> so anyway, that happened, and now there's a, a crashed Borg cube on this planet of synths. Also, now the Borgs and the 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 deborged people haven't met up with the synthetic life forms yet. So I'm assuming that's going to happen in part two also, uh, and that'll be very interesting when we see it. I'm really glad you can keep track of all this. Oh, there's just (laughs) so much happening. I mean, it's sort of constantly stuff getting thrown in your face. And like the whole board cube thing was going, okay. And then Brunt Spiner shows up and you're like, okay. And then the synth is able to do a mind meld and my voice is getting higher and higher. Okay. I guess I'll just buy into this. So... I don't know. I don't know how it's going to resolve. There's a lot of stuff that they're going to need to wrap up uh, or at least advance to the point where they can say, okay, this is the end of season one, unless they're planning on ending on a huge cliffhanger, which I guess they could do. Well, they're already renewed for seasons two and three. Right. So, so I don't know. I don't know where this is going to go. Um, There was also a very quick mention of Picard's uh, mental, not mental, I should say, his brain disease sort of being mm-hmm. a little more advanced than it was before. So unclear how they're going to play that out. There's a very strong suggestion that somehow he's going to be uh, cured or made whole by some infusion of synthetic stuff. Like, maybe they'll put his consciousness in a body, kind of like with the Harry Mud and the androids, or maybe they'll give him partly a synthetic brain. I don't know, but it was pretty heavily hinted at something like that happening. Because he's Patrick Stewart, he's the main character, they can't let him die, right? So something has to happen. The the goddamn show is named after him, so they, they can't let his character die at the end of season one, anyway. Okay, question. Backtracking just a little, mm-hmm. now that you, you've watched almost the whole first season, and it sounds like it was episode three or four or something where he went and visited um, Riker and Troy, mm-hmm. what was the, the point of that episode? You know, they didn't join up with him, right? Right, that's correct. So did he learn something from them, get information, or was it just, hey, I'm in the neighborhood, let's <laughs> waste an hour of television? you know, reminiscing about old times. I think it was partly he needed a safe refuge and he knew he would be safe with them. He he did learn a little bit of information about what was happening in Starfleet and in the Federation. Mm. Uh, he, he learned some stuff about how to deal with Soji, the synthetic woman, that he really hadn't. They've actually done this pretty well and to pretty good comic effect also playing up the fact that Picard is really shitty at emotions and doesn't know Mm -hmm. how to deal with people who, you know, like 
on an emotional level. He just can't do right. that. So Riker, especially, and Troy, too, kind of gave him some lessons in saying, look, this this person, Soji, you can't treat her like you're, she's your crew. You have to treat her like she's basically a teenager. She just mm-hmm. kind of grew up over the last three years, and you're being really bad about this. So you know, <laughs> okay. we know you're bad at this stuff. Stop being so bad at it. Get better at it. And he does. <laughs> he acknowledges it. It's pretty funny. In, in the penultimate episode that we just watched, one of his crew um, takes a minute to say to him, you know, I know you didn't want us to talk about this, this disease that you have, but I just want to say, you know, you've been great and uh, I'm really sad about this and I want to tell you that I love you. And she looks at him and says, you don't have to say it back. It's OK. <laughs> and and he, goes, he goes, oh, I don't. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I like that. Patrick Stewart is very, very, very funny. He played it exactly good. right. That's good. Yeah. So uh, it's it's very interesting. So I, here was my original thought before I'd seen this episode. I thought that the whole thing about the synthetic life forms was going to be a parallel to the Borg storyline. And it is in some ways. You know, the, Seven made a point of saying that the poor people who got Borgified are slaves, right? They had no choice. And right. And people hate them just because they happen to be Borg, but really, you know, the, the people who they were are still there. And once they've been, had all their Borg implants taken out, you know, the Federation has a responsibility to try to help them mm-hmm. live. You know, you can't just kill them. You can't just throw them away. And right. I felt like the They're whole... They're like prisoners of war. They are. They're exactly yeah. like that. So that was a great point. And I thought maybe the whole synthetic life form thing was going to be parallel to that by saying, you know, for a long time, robots, synthetics, androids were kind of viewed as slaves, right? That's yes. what they were good for. And that was the whole point of Measure of a Man was saying Data mm-hmm. was a human, like, you know, he had human rights, even though he was an android. So maybe they'll take that up. I, I get the feeling it's going to be... Uh, a little less deep than that but who knows it might come to that they might have a discussion about that which would be really good i i can't imagine at this point that they're gonna go back on the ethos of star trek and suddenly go yeah synthetic life forms are shit we should kill them all because that would Mm -hmm. be bad so how are they going to resolve this you know how are androids and humans going to live together maybe not peaceably but at least coexist in the same universe that's the question and that's what i hope they will answer in the last episode but maybe Mm -hmm. they won't maybe we'll find out next season i don't know well you know like i said i think when you were first talking about when we were first talking about like first episode which i had seen and everything it seemed to be treading very closely to the battlestar galactica Mm. ground Mm-hmm. where they have um, the uh, Cylons and the humans. And Cylons can look exactly like humans. And so the big thing was, who's a Cylon and who's not? And this sounds like it could, it, or it is easily the same thing. I mean, there are androids that people don't know are androids, right? Um, right, until, uh, and, and the main character, Soji, she didn't know she was an android. <laughs> right, and that was, true of, that was true of the Cylons that were aboard the ship. Mm-hmm. So, yes, it's very, very close to that. Um, I, you know, I, I think, I hope the ending is satisfying. It seems like an mm-hmm. awful lot of stuff to wrap up in an hour, but maybe they'll leave some stuff for next season. 
we'll just have to see. Of course, there's going to be, you know, space battles happening yeah. as well because we have to have some bing, pew, pew, pew happening. <laughs> okay. <laughs> pew, 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 pew. Um, and there's a lot of other stuff that I left out that I did not tell <laughs> oh, you no. about because we'd be here talking about it for another hour if I went through all the subplots that are happening. Okay. So we'll, we'll just leave it there for now. But So what's your overall opinion of the Picard series now that you've seen most of season one? I think it's I think it's really good. I like it. I I think I will reserve judgment until they we see how they wrap this up because okay. if this final episode ends up being completely unsatisfying, I will be very angry. Mm. Uh, on the whole, I think the writing has been good. The acting has been really good. There hasn't been too much pew 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 fighty fighty stuff. The secondary characters are pretty well developed, some more than others, and we get some nice moments where we see relationships with them. I think there's a couple of places where they just stepped over the line. Um, in, in this episode, the twin of uh, one of the other synthetic life forms who was killed a while ago. I'm not even going to tell you that plot point. Um, okay. <laughs> she's there, and, and she's the one who's learned how to do the, the mind meld. And she's very uh, sort of a, a femme fatale, right? Like she has mm -hmm. long hair and she's dressed kind of sexy and she talks very sexy and she's just a, a parody wait, wait, of that. You're, you're, you're misusing language there. I'm sorry. Mm -hmm. It's sexishly. Oh, sexishly. <laughs> you're right. She's very sexishly doing all these things. Okay. And I just felt like, if they had to put a giant red flag to say she's evil or not evil, but <laughs> you know, she, she wants to, she's okay with killing all the humans and letting the, the synthetic life forms take over the universe. Right. She has ulterior it, motives. <laughs> oh, they couldn't have done it in a more cliched way than that. <laughs> really. And truly, you know, everybody else on the planet, all the other synths are, you know, they're good looking people and they have pretty clothes and all that, but she's wearing red you know, red, right? And she <laughs> oh, has God. long black hair and she's got beautiful oh. makeup and, you know, it's like, come on, really? You oh, had to do God. that? So I, maybe they'll, they'll flip it. Maybe she won't be. Maybe at the end she'll turn out to be the most goodest of all of them, but <laughs> it doesn't, it doesn't feel that way to me right now. And that was disappointing that they, they chose that route. Yeah. Well, geez. Okay. <laughs> well, thank you for, you know, keeping me in the loop on this. Sure. Uh, I'll be happy to tell you what happens after it's over. And, and maybe I'll be very happy or maybe I'll be very angry. So I apologize Either in way. advance if it's angry. <laughs> <laughs> well, I just read, you know, we thought Discovery was going to start up shortly after Picard wraps, but mm -hmm. it's going to be delayed and it is due to the virus. You know, everybody's oh, yeah. makes sense. working at home and is quite possibly away from the giant editing equipment they need or whatever so yeah i think i'd read also that the animated series the below deck series mm -hmm. is con continuing on as much as possible because most of those people work at home anyway you know the writers and the animators mm -hmm. so they're they're continuing to make progress as much as they can so that is good Okay. Let's see. I think that's all the Star Trek news that I had for now. Let's talk about some other science fiction, which we are both yes. watching and enjoying very much, which is Avenue 5. Yes. Which just finished. They just had the last episode, I think, uh, a week ago or so. So without too many spoilers, we can 
tell you some of the high points and I wanted to just talk about some of the reasons I loved it so much and hopefully you can do the same. I'm sure we loved it for the same reasons. Okay. It's a a science fiction show set on a cruise ship in outer space in the not too distant future and their struggles to get home with... (laughs) Without Captain Janeway. (laughs) Without Captain Janeway, yeah. So it kind of takes the Voyager trope and turns it into something hilariously funny I think most people know by now that um, Hugh Laurie is the captain and I'm putting captain in huge quotes because he's not actually the captain. And then there's a bridge crew who is also not really the bridge crew. And I love them all so much. Oh, I know. Doing such a good job. But here's the thing. He is literally the acting captain. He is the acting captain. (laughs) Yes. It's like acting ensign, you know, which was what Wesley was. It's true. And also... This had to be something that was a direct Star Trek reference. The captain wears a toupee. <laughs> <laughs> he wears a full-on wig. Yeah, it was more of a wig than a toupee, which is revealed somewhere down the line. But yes, it is yes. so good. It, it, it's just one thing going wrong after another. All the interaction of the, the crew and the passengers and the horrible rich guy who owns it and his assistant who's named Iris who keeps him I in line. I love her. <laughs> oh, she's wonderful. She's so funny. And just what it would be like, I mean, it's very realistic in that way. When you think about if you were trapped on a ship with how many people did they say were on there? 3,000 or something? Something like that. Oh, and suddenly it was going to take you an additional three years to get back home. This is exactly mm-hmm. what it would be like. People would be acting completely insane, like lunatics all yes. the time. Yes. Um, <laughs> you know, when I first started watching it, I watched like three episodes. You know, I didn't start when they, you know, mm-hmm. first put episode one out there and I was going, this was when we were first, you know, hearing about the virus and everything and that it was on these cruise ships. And I'm going, man, this is really close. Mm -hmm. (laughs) It's really hitting home. And as the show goes on, I'm going, this is really hitting home, except they don't have a disease. Right. It's like, yeah. Okay, go ahead. (laughs) Oh, no. Well, people are going stir crazy. And uh, (laughs) to put it mildly, but it's so it's so funny and so biting and stuff happens that you wouldn't expect to happen. Um, mm-hmm. Several people die in in a terribly bleak but hilariously funny way right yes. near the end, which is good. And then uh, things get even worse in the last episode and it's going to take them even longer to get home through a ridiculous series of events. I love that line that the captain says, well, we have just watched seven people stupid themselves to death. <laughs> Hugh Laurie is so good. Uh, oh, he, he's wonderful. He And there's so much swearing. He's very good at swearing, which is mm-hmm. wonderful. He, he is just delightful in every way. I, some of the things I love about this is that, of course, as with all really good comedy set in the future, people are exactly the same. Like, no one has mm-hmm. grown in any way. People no. are no better than they are right now. They're just as no. awful and stupid and venial and greedy as, as they are. So that's and, great. And, you know, crowd hysteria and, mm-hmm. you know, the whole thing. Yep. Just. I, I love that the topic of sexuality is treated <laughs> very casually so the captain Hugh Laurie is in a marriage Mm -hmm. with a man and a woman and this is just totally normal 
And I, I think we've seen various other people with same-sex relationships. Mm-hmm. There's one character, uh, Spike, the ex-astronaut, who's played by Ethan Phillips from Voyager, and he's great. Um, he really is. He is very much pansexual, and nobody blinks an eye. He's just like, right. he'll have sex with anyone or anything at any moment, yep. and everybody is like, sure, whatever. And and people that he um, sort of sets up assignations with, be they man or woman, are just like, sure. So it's not <laughs> different. It's just normal. And I love that. Right. It's just, it seems great. So that, that was really a wonderful thing. And... <laughs> Um, the the episode that kind of stuck with me the most, I think, is the seventh or eighth. But it, they decide to have a party, which was supposed to be the halfway home party, and yes. it's because it's going to take them much longer, they have it anyway, and everyone's very depressed. And yes. most of the episode takes place in the lounge where the very terrible comic is up on the stage trying to tell <laughs> jokes. It's endless and it's excruciating with him. It, it's like your worst nightmare as a performer, yeah. right? Nobody's laughing. There's somebody in the audience who's your boss saying, you can't do that joke. You can't say that. Do this instead. (laughs) Like just not letting you get a word in edgewise. Oh, I know. Oh, my God. It's it's just the most cringy kind of stuff. But Mm -hmm. it's wonderful. It's wonderfully played by everybody. Oh, also very diverse cast, which is nice, too. Oh, yes. Yes. Um, I really liked I think this was in the the final episode, the, the season finale where um, the captain and Judd, the rich guy, you know, they go off to talk in private and they have a mm-hmm. stupid discussion. And then Judd looks around and goes, what is this big white space? <laughs> I don't know. It's just here, you know. <laughs> yeah. He says, he says, it's the antechamber to the fishing room. Yes, Why does the yes. fishing room need an antechamber? I don't know. <laughs> it's like, the whole ship is full of obvious goes nowhere, does nothing. Yep, exactly. <laughs> exactly. All of it. Every trope that they could put in there is there. So it is wonderful. If you haven't watched it yet, please go ahead and watch it if you can get hold of it. It is completely worth watching for all nine episodes, and they have been renewed for another season. So we yes. will see what happens. But, oh, it's just It's on great. HBO, right? Mm-hmm. Yes, That's right. HBO. Yes, HBO. So, so funny. I just enjoy it to death. Yes, it, it was a, a really welcome respite to everything. I just felt yeah. like, great, I can lose myself in this and think about how funny it is and totally not pay mm-hmm. attention to the real world. And that was great. Yes. Well, you know, when uh, The Good Place ended, I was like, that was my only comedy. That was mm-hmm. the only comedy I, ever, I was watching. And before that, you know, a few years before that, it was like The Office when that ended, you know. And I'm going, well, here's Avenue 5 to rescue me. Mm-hmm. So... It did. That's it good. absolutely did. Yes. Yeah, so thank you, HBO, for mm-hmm. greenlighting that and putting that out there for us and for renewing it. Yes. I think they had to when they saw how good it was. I don't think anybody could watch it and go, eh, this is okay. <laughs> well, it got sort of mediocre reviews at the start. Oh. But I thought, I'm, I'm going to give it a try. And I instantly loved it. I think the first two episodes had some setup in it. It didn't move quite as fast. Yeah. They had to. They had to tell you who everybody was, who the players were, what was really Mm -hmm. happening before they could really get the ball rolling. And then like any screwball comedy, the closer it gets to the end, the faster the ball rolls and the the level of hysteria just gets jacked up until that final episode when everything is completely out of control and people are, are freaking out, which is as it should be. That's the way a good screwball comedy is. 
and you just described it perfectly. You said it's a screwball comedy. Mm-hmm. It's a screwball comedy on a cruise ship in space. Yes, where everybody is awful to each other. <laughs> yes. I mean, like the couple that's there because they were hoping it would save their marriage and it was supposed to be like an eight-week trip and now it's going to be eight years. Can you imagine anything worse? Oh, my God. It, but it's they're so funny because... It, Every moment that they have that could potentially be a tender moment, I laughed so hard when there was a, a point where one of, where the, the wife was uh, contemplating um, suicide, sort of, mm-hmm. and her, the, the husband pulls her back and, and she says, you saved me. I could have died and you saved me. And he said, I don't want you to die. You're the most important thing to me. I want you to be here with me. And she looks at him and she goes, oh, yeah, make it all about you. <laughs> And that guy is um, the guy, he was on The Office. He was like Michael's boss, like the president of the company. And he's great. Oh, everyone is great. Every single person in this is great. They really are. Iris is my favorite. She's the best. Mm -hmm. Well, I also really loved that British girl who was in the fake crew, who had a crush on the captain. Sarah. Sarah was Yes, Sarah. See, this does nothing. I just move my hands and... (laughs) It's improv. <laughs> if you've watched Avenue 5 and you liked it, let us know what you thought, because we'd love to yes. hear from other fans. We're yes. eating it up. Okay. Let's take a little break, and then we're going to talk about one of the worst movies that Bill has ever been in. <laughs> yes. So yes. That's something to look forward to. Yes. We'll be right back. Space, a final frontier. These are the voyages of the starship Enterprise. Its five-year mission, to explore strange new worlds, to seek out new life and new civilizations, to boldly go where no man has gone before. Listeners, we would love to hear from you. Send us email at lookathisbutt at gmail.com or look us up on Facebook and leave us a comment. Tell us your Trek news. So listeners... Here's a here's a thing for you. We just discovered this new piece of technology that's called 27.xyz and the words are spelled out t w o s e v e n.xyz and it's really cool. It allows you to simultaneously watch video and it can be movies, it can be your own videos, you can do it with Netflix, YouTube, I think Amazon Prime. It seems like it works with a lot of different streaming services. And so you can have a lot of people watching at one time. It's not just for two people, but a whole bunch. And you can also talk while the movie's going on. So you can do your own mystery science theater if you want to. So we were thinking it might be super fun to have an impulse screening that you guys could watch. And um, we'll we'll think about how we want to have comments going because there's a comment box also. So you can type comments. And if you want to hear us cracking wise as we talk about Bill and giving you informational tidbits about the movie as well. It might be a really fun thing to do, and it's free. So uh, if there's enough interest, we'll try to set that up maybe in a couple of weeks, and we can all watch Impulse together. Yes! 
It will be fun. I think that would be great. I think so too. I think there are some people that still haven't seen it. So it would be really instructive for them to see this terrible, terrible movie that we've been raving about for 10 years or however long we've been saying it. Yes. And it's also, you know, the gift that keeps on giving. I mean, I don't know how many times you and I have seen it and we enjoy it every single time. Oh, every single time because I forget all the stuff that's in it, right? There are so yeah. many things that happen and every time we watch it, I'm like, oh, that's right. This is the thing where he does this or this is the him bending over with the white pants or this is <laughs> yeah. him pointing and just everything, everything about yep. it is so good. So that's our proposition to you, the listeners. If you'd like to join us for a watch party, we'll try to set something up and we'll, we'll uh, communicate that via Facebook and Twitter and, and various other ways and probably via a, a mini podcast or something so people can hear it here. Yes. So this is all by way of saying we tested it to watch one of Bill's movies, a TV movie from 1973. From, the, from right in the middle of the lost years. Yes. It's called Horror at 37,000 Feet. And it was aired on CBS, CBS Mystery Movie, I believe. Uh, yeah, 1973. God. Yeah, I know. So, so here's, I'm looking, I'm looking at the Wikipedia page. Here's what it says. Plot summary. Actually, before the plot summary, it says, this article needs an improved plot summary. <laughs> <laughs> well, so does the movie, but... <laughs> this is right. Okay, so I'll read it. On a Boeing 747 flight from London to New York, piloted by Captain Ernie Slade, played by Chuck Connors, a wealthy architect, played by Roy Thinnes, and his wife, Jane Merrow, have placed a druid sacrificial altar in the baggage hold of the airliner. Aboard for the ill-fated trip is ex-priest Paul Kovalik, William Shatner, and millionaire Glenn Farley, Buddy Ebsen. Soon after takeoff, crew and passengers alike face the supernatural horror that is unleashed from the baggage compartment, the ghosts of druids seeking revenge from being uprooted from their ancient home. Yeah, that, that pretty, pretty much, much covers it. it. Yeah. <laughs> Now, here's an interesting tidbit from production. It says that this was entirely shot on sound stages. Really? I some of it was shot on airplanes. It really looked like it was on airplanes, didn't it? Yes. The cockpit? I don't know. Maybe they have these very sophisticated mock-ups for the cockpit. I don't know. It looked like an airplane to me. <laughs> so, it's a terrible movie. It was... Um, an hour and a half is the uh, space for the mystery movies, but this was only 73 minutes long because of all the commercials that they would have in. Yes. So we, we were t totally on point with all the commercial breaks. Like, you could tell where it was coming, right? It was. <laughs> and what uh, made it worse for me personally was the night before I had watched another, probably from the same series, although it wasn't about druids on airplanes, another bad murder mystery TV movie. And so oh. if you couldn't tell where the breaks were by the, the pacing and the arc of the mm -hmm. scenes, you could by that blackout. <laughs> <laughs> so um, it was like, I can't, I can't watch TV movies. I've got to get into something else. So continue. Oh, it was. So that's the plot. That is exactly what happens. And the, the way that the Druids manifest themselves is first they start talking in the head of the architect's wife through the... Uh, what do you call it? The headphone jack that she has. 
I don't know. People might remember that on oldie air, old timey airplanes, it was like a, a doctor's stethoscope, and it was a little tube that plugged into the side. Before they had earbuds that you know actually worked on electricity, it was just a little tube. And so she's she hears voices, and it's very scary, and she passes out, and then it gets very very cold in the cargo hold, and unfortunately, there's a dog that gets frozen to death. I know it. it it's I was upset about that, even though. Oh my God, it was so fake, but... It was extremely fake. I know just the concept of them having to do that with a dog was Mm -hmm. bad, but it is somewhat mitigated by the fact that the frozen dog that you see is like the worst sort of fake. It wasn't even like a taxidermy dog. It was just a, you know, some fur that somebody had put fake Google Mm -hmm. eyes on. It was really bad looking. And then the cold creeps up further it creeps up into the elevator. There's an elevator on the plane. We didn't really get that. That was going up and down. Not really. They have elevators on planes. And uh, some people die. And oh, the the professor from Gilligan's Island is in it. And he dies pretty early on in the yep. whole thing. And that was sad. You know, he managed to get off the island. And then what happens? He gets to be a pilot. And immediately he gets frozen to death. Bad end yep. for him. Well, he wasn't a pilot. I think he was the navigator. Oh, was he? Okay. Well, anyway, yeah. he had a good job. Or the job, ship's engineer. You know? Yeah. Yeah. He, he was on a, that stupid island for so long, and then he finally mm-hmm. gets off, and he gets a good job, and then he gets frozen. So that was bad for him. Um, Franz Noyen was also in this. In a very small, pointless part. Yes, as a model. Yeah. That, that's all she yeah. was. She was a model. And I don't even know if they said her name, if that was even part of the dialogue, but she didn't really do anything. It also featured another Star Trek alum, Paul Winfield, as a, a, a foppish doctor. <laughs> yes, a foppish young British doctor. Oh, so weird. He had on a three-piece suit and a little pocket handkerchief, and he had on a, a bowler hat, I guess, and mm-hmm. an umbrella when he was getting on. Yep. It was just, it was very weird. So uh, that all happened. Um there was a little girl. We were hoping she was going to get killed, but unfortunately, that didn't happen. So, too bad about that. She was fairly annoying. I gotta say, the the the, the non-bill highlight of this whole movie was when they were putting makeup on the doll. Yes, they decided that they were going to try to sacrifice the girl's little baby doll to the evil forces, and that might satisfy them. So they take, they dressed it up in clothing, and they put makeup on it, and then they put it down near the hole in the floor where the evilness was coming up from, which was covered with what you said was Satan's snot, which I agree, that's exactly what it looked like. <laughs> yes, okay. Um, but the, the bill portion of this... Yes, yes. I, I was trying to get all that other stuff out of the way. <laughs> oh, okay. So he was very grouchy and he kept saying to what was his wife or his girlfriend or whatever, just leave me alone. Quit harping on that. Mm-hmm. Well, it turns out he's an ex-priest. Mm-hmm. An ex-priest. Yeah. And he's also an alcoholic. Oh, yeah. And he was drinking and drinking, but really not much in the way of Shatner swallows. No, it wasn't the complete thing. He did a lot of the the taking a mouthful of something and holding it in his mouth and then swallowing it and sort of puckering his lips. But he wasn't doing the thing where he looked at the glass before and after, which was very disappointing. Right. Considering the amount of drinking he did in this movie, you'd think there would have mm-hmm. been at least one really good swallow. There was not. Very, very disappointing. Yeah. Poor choices on, on the part of the director. Yeah. But you could see he was taking it seriously because he starts off with a flask that he carries with him and then he's drinking 
out of a teacup, like a China teacup. I don't know where he got that from. Yes. And then he, he's drinking, like the stewardess brings him some more drinks. And then later on, he's sitting with someone else and he pours a drink out of one of those little air, airplane mini bottles. And then he just mm-hmm. reaches into his pocket and he's pulling out more and more of these tiny little bottles of booze. <laughs> it was like the clown on Captain Kangaroo who kept pulling out more and more bananas. It was exactly like that. He just had an endless supply of these little bottles that he'd boosted from the galley or whatever. So that was pretty funny. <laughs> just had to have a little business to do. Just a little business. So Bill says uh, he actually did write one sentence about this in his uh, Up Till Now book. He described oh, his okay. Yes, yeah. He described his character's demise in the movie as one of the unique ways of dying. I get sucked out of an airplane while carrying a lit torch into an airliner's baggage compartment to try to confront a druid ghost. (laughs) And that's all true. Uh, According to Shatner, many of his fans consider the movie the worst film in which he has ever appeared. They haven't seen Impulse. This is correct. I would not rate this as the worst. I would call it one of the worst. It's definitely in the running, but, but not the worst. I guess... Impulse is better because he's in it more. He's not actually in this movie a a hell of a lot. I was going to say, because he is most definitely the lead in Impulse, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. whereas, you know, he's one of the players in this, in this fine ensemble. Mm -hmm. That's right. So there's the very end. It's true what he says. He does get sucked out, and he doesn't get sucked out of like a hole. Somehow the door in the back of the plane pops open and he gets sucked out and there's a terrible I don't even want to call it a special effect there's an effect where he, he looks like <laughs> it's a not very him. special effect. <laughs> that's correct it's an ordinary effect <laughs> it's an, or very very ordinary effect um he gets sucked out yes. the doors open everybody's holding on to things clearly they would have instantly been sucked out of this airplane and then a minute later, it's fine, and the door shut, and that's never explained. They don't go into how that happened or how they got the door shut. <laughs> but like- we also skipped one of my very favorite moments, which was near the beginning when, um, you know, none of the passengers know there's any trouble or anything. And the, the captain and the, um, the other two guys who are up there um, are looking at the instruments, and they're going, we're not moving. <laughs> I went... Wouldn't they fall out of the air if the mm-hmm. plane isn't moving? You know, that's kind of what keeps it up there. <laughs> yeah. Well, I thought your explanation was better, that it was actually Apollo's hand holding them, which would have been really good. Because they kept showing this fake bottle of the plane just still in the air. And yeah, and you couldn't see me because, you know, we weren't together, but I was making the Apollo hand on my screen just to entertain myself. (laughs) That's awesome. This movie also has a line of dialogue, which I cannot figure out whether it was supposed to be funny or not, which is uh, as they're flying or not flying, I suppose. There's a little bit of turbulence in the two. There's two two stewardesses in this giant 747 that has a Mm -hmm. total of, what, eight passengers, which is also very weird. And the one stewardess says to the other, oh, like, there's some turbulence tonight. I hope it doesn't get too bumpy. And the other one just looks at her and says, oh, stop saying that. You know how I hate flying. Yes. And I thought, is that supposed to be a joke? Or is that just, (laughs) she's a stewardess who hates flying. Yeah. What is that about? It's so weird. Oh, and when we first see the stewardesses, they have on their stewardai hat. Oh, yes. 
they're like these these sort of plastic helmets that just sit on top of their head. And all I could think of, it's like this, the scene in Everything You Ever Wanted to Know About Sex, where Woody Allen and, and all of these guys are each playing sperm. And yes, they're all in white, and they like. have these, these head pieces like that. Mm-hmm. That's exactly what it looked like. Yeah, absolutely. And they have white go-go boots. Yes, they're dressed very short skirts, um, little shorts underneath them, white go-go boots, little weird <laughs> schoolgirly type outfits. It's very kind of creepy. Yeah. To, to finish what happens to Bill, um, be- as he's going toward, he has a torch, good, on a yes. plane. They make a bonfire, also good, on a plane. And he goes <laughs> back there and for, the what is it the pilots managed to get the plane high enough so that the rising sun will they will be able to see it which means that whatever's in the hold is going to be defeated or something it's not really it goes back to hell it goes back to hell okay and the reason this is happening is it's midsummer night or midsummer eve something which was very important to druids. You remember far more about this than I do. I've already blocked this all out of my memory. <laughs> well, I'm only remembering it as you're saying things. So he's going towards the back of the plane. I keep wanting to say the back of the ship. No, it's the back of the plane. And yeah. <laughs> the sun's coming up and the other passengers are screaming and they're like, you don't have to go. The sun's coming up. It's all right. And he says, I have to see. And he walks back there and sees something, and we never get to see what it is he sees. And that's when he gets sucked out of the door that suddenly opens in the back of the plane. So who knows what he saw? They couldn't afford another effect. (laughs) A non-special effect. Yes, correct. Yes. Yes. Um, Also, there was a, a great line, and I believe it was when the guy who plays the professor on Gilligan's Island is killed. And the other guy leans over and looks at him and says to the captain, Jim, he's dead. <laughs> That's right. I forgot about that. Yes. <laughs> oh, and we both laughed and laughed and laughed. Yes. Oh, That's a bad movie to add to our list, you know. It is. It's. We watched it on YouTube. So the whole thing is on YouTube. In case anybody wants to watch it, I'll put a link in the show notes for it. But yeah, the whole thing is there with no commercials or ads or anything. And it's in actually pretty good quality, I have to say. It uh, is. It looks, it looks like it was ripped from a, a DVD or, or maybe a, mm-hmm. you know, an Amazon Prime or something. But there it is if you want to watch it. So if you've got an hour and uh, 13 minutes of your life that you want to spend watching this terrible movie, do it with a friend. You'll enjoy it a lot more when oh, you yeah. can crack wise while That's you're watching right. it. Bill's toupee was terrible. It looked really, really, really bad. Yeah. It's just just not good. Very funny. I, I was talking to my brother yesterday after we'd watched the movie, and he said, uh, so what are you going to talk about on the next podcast? And I said, oh, we just watched this movie called Horror at 37,000 Feet. Do you remember it? And he went, Yes, I do remember watching that movie with you. So it was definitely something that we Oh, so you had seen it once before. When it was on TV back in the day, because, you know, we were big fans of Bill and we would pretty much watch anything that he was in after Star Trek just because we wanted to see him. So, yeah. So I watched it in 1973 and that was the last time I saw it. So I think that pretty much covers it for the things that we wanted to talk about. Um, well, Bill, in his social isolation or whatever it's called, oh, yes, has, been, has been tweeting. And I cannot get to those earlier tweets because I never use Twitter, so I don't know how to do anything. But he's describing um, 
it's Captain Kirk. It's Captain's log, mm -hmm. day one of quarantine. And so the, he's describing the dogs as the away team or something. It's really funny. <laughs> but um, here's his two most recent. Captain's okay. log, supplemental. Hashtag cake coma gives one quite a relaxing and deep sleep. <laughs> so Bill had a birthday cake. And, and then he says, Captain's Log, Stardate 6 of Self-Imposed Isolation. It's day four of Lockdown LA, trying to maintain a semblance of order. Has its own trials and tribble, triblatations. Oh. Oh. <laughs> the city, while in lockdown, still has movement. I only hope that movement is necessary and not the product of stupidity. Oh, that's very good. But day one through through four or five, they're really they're really funny as he's like describing you know the dogs going around the perimeter and oh God knows mm -hmm. what else. It's good. I also liked this one. Uh, he says, "I had hoped my supplies would last through isolation, but with it now being twice as long, I have calculated that my reserves may not hold out before the Enterprise can return and replenish." <laughs> Well, that's that good. good. I'm glad he's having fun with it. I do like the cake coma. The cake coma is good. I hope he had mm -hmm. a nice cake. And I hope that he was able to have his cake um, with his family without endangering his life. Because that Yeah, be I bad. hope they all had pieces of cake delivered to them or something. Yes, yes, exactly. Yes. Or they're outside on his patio and he's inside and they're just waving through the window or something. That would be bad. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, friends, we are with you as Bill is in this very trying time, and we hope that our podcast can bring you a little bit of entertainment and some laughs while we're all just waiting to see, you know, whether the world's going to end, basically. That's what it feels like. Yeah. Or, you know, what's what's going to happen? And, you know, I have a lot of time to, to dig around on the interwebs and find some interesting Bill things that I keep slapping up on Facebook. So yeah. um, let us know how you're doing. You know, what What uh, fun or completely horrible things have you watched on TV? Mm -hmm. What are your cats and dogs doing to keep you entertained? That's right. Uh, leave comments at Facebook. Send us email. Um, watch Horror 37,000 Feet. Let us know what you thought about it. And do let us know if you'd like to join us for our Impulse Watch Party because we would love to have you there. It would be oh, super, yeah. super fun. I yeah. can't wait for that. That would be so yeah. good. It will be good. So yay, something to look forward to. So in the meantime, stay home, watch Star Trek, wash your hands, keep your social <laughs> distance from people, be very careful where you go, do all those things that you're supposed to be doing so that you can stick around with us for more episodes of our crazy little show. So you can live long and potluck. Yay, potluck. Yay. Okay, we'll see you soon. Okay, bye. Bye.